Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, we talk about the recently published book, She Sells, and the campaign goes on to help companies to recruit and retain women in sales. We talk about culture and mindset and how she feels about International Women's Day. My next guest is the trailblazer in advocating for women in sales. She's released her latest book, She Sells. She has a passion for more women in B2B sales and leadership and is working towards that aim. She leads Women Sales Pros, which launched in 2015, and the She Sells Summit and Podcast. Laurie Richardson is a revenue growth sales advisor, author and data interpreter, and an all-round inspiring woman. Welcome to Scale Your Sales Podcast, Laurie Richardson. Hey, Janice, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's we have so much we want to cover. It's International Women's Day on the 8th of March, just in a couple of days. And I wanted to get Laurie on because she's got this excellent book she sells. And there's so much that's changing that I wanted to talk to Laurie about. So let me delve in first of all as a, to set the context here, Laurie. Um so before we talk about International Women's Day and She Sells, I'd like to talk about the number of women in sales in the workforce post-COVID that have left for whatever reasons. And this, I feel, and I'm sure you do too, is a hidden endemic that we're not talking enough about. And right. Mary Shea has brought this uh, to the fore in that I um, presented with her at the Women's Sales Summit in Napa last September, and the research that came out was that women in sales were facing more obstacles and her research indicated that they were experiencing a 10% decline of women in B2B sales over the previous two years, so over COVID. But more yeah. recently, and I know you've seen this research from um, tech tracker layoff, is that they've found that women have present 39% of the overall workforce but they represent um, 64% of those laid off since September. So I'm That's really crazy. interested in your views here. Yeah, I mean, it's just accelerating. So what do you feel about this? What's your view? Yeah, I, I am confused by everything. I like accurate data. I like to share facts that we know are to be, to be true. And Mary's research was the first research that I heard that I trusted that and recently I'm not familiar with tech tracker, um, but we definitely know of so many well, I know of so many women who were leaders, sales leaders that we lost 
um, that are looking uh, to get back into uh, different roles. And we lost a lot of newer women and also more senior women. So I'm really not sure. And I have talked to some contacts I have at LinkedIn because LinkedIn did a study. It was back in, I think it was 2014 when they went through, they had interns and have humans looking through profiles uh, and they had a women and men ratio for sales. Mm -hmm. And I was, I'm hoping they'll do something again. I have no guarantees. I have no weight to pull there, but I'm hopeful that someone will will do it exactly as another company that has done uh, studies in the past. So I'm I'm hoping because we really need to know what's going on. And there's no doubt that the stories that I hear anecdotally certainly indicate that. Yeah, yeah. Well. This brings us around beautifully to your book because She Sells is excellent in the way you thank you, Laurie, because you've made it easy for all of us. <laughs> in that you've collated all of the research and theories. As you say, you like accurate data. Yeah. And it really helps to set the set out the steps and strategies um, to make it easy for leaders and sales managers campaigners and people just interested to know the facts what's happening in this area so you know the way that your book she sells really builds the foundations from the research and goes on to talk about why and how to attract how to hire how to onboard how to retain how to promote great women into the sales profession and then the success culture that must be conducive to making these efforts self-sustainable. So it's fantastic in that it kind of completes full circle. So tell me why you saw a need for this book. Well, thank you for those nice words. <laughs> I appreciate them. I saw a need because these are the questions I was asked over and over since 2015. And it, it I had planned to put it out sooner. I think now is a good time, though, because of all that's going on uh, around us with the economy and with layoffs and things. And I don't want people to forget that this is still important. And even if they have downsized and maybe they're not hiring this minute, they will be hiring. And you can't just put, you know, diversity and inclusion to the side and say, well, you know, we got to survive. We can't deal with this. This is part of survival. And this is part of what a company must be in 2023 going forward is that we need inclusive teams in all, all our departments. I just happen to be in the sales lane and that's what I care about. Uh, so I want to help those companies. I, I wrote the book for the the leaders and managers who really want to make a change but have had trouble rather than the doubters that want more proof. You know, I, I have no time for them. So this is for the ones that say, oh, we tried. It was really hard. And it can be hard. It can be difficult. But there are also some very simple things people can do to make it easier uh, to attract more people to your company and then to bring them on and, and retain them. 
don't you think that this is just good it's good business once people get it the things that they're doing not good business because you bring on more diversity which yeah but it's good for everybody it's a better culture it's more inclusive for everyone it's more open people feel free to have the necessary conversations which is healthier for everybody yeah i mean i definitely agree to that but i also acknowledge that i heard this on american tv the other day that most white americans don't have any friends who are not white you know so it's an ongoing discussion when people are talking about well who do you invite to your company people you know oh i know this great guy i went to school with i know this great woman that you know was in another role so we have to widen our horizons personally too and and i think that makes for a more enriching life as well but that's a bigger you know that's kind of a platform issue Wow, that's that's a really interesting um, observation, really, because if I think about the, you know, I'm in the UK and I think about um, the the history of the UK, which isn't always positive. (laughs) (laughs) But nevertheless, the way that other cultures have. Uh, integrated that it's become a real melting pot that I would imagine I know I live in London but I would imagine the percentage is a lot less of um, white British people not knowing other cultures or not having other cultures of of their their friends it's it's interesting to see although there is a, a shared history uh, in America how the two cultures have um uh, the way that they've involved, uh, evolved almost in different directions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know that that's part of the issue and it's been talked, I've talked about it in different uh, conferences that I've been to and I've had some really great male allies, white male allies who have said, you know, you have to think beyond your bubble. You know, you need to to expand and and just get to know people and and reach out and learn more about them and when we know that we're more alike than we are different as human beings so i think that's the joy of it all is that it, it if you widen your horizons you can meet amazing people and and really learn the same lessons and just reinforce what we know about people and being human yeah yeah and also when I when I think about it, if you imagine that kind of like that Europe is in terms of size and number, when we look at Europe and look at the US, it's kind of on the par. But the difference yeah. is that Europe here are different languages, different cultures and all of that, right. you know, whereas actually America is, you know, less diverse yes. in cultures and, and, and languages and things. So that may be one of the contributing barriers um although England is still an island you know we still have to travel to get to you know Europe and we're not in Europe anymore yeah and even on a small scale you know I know I moved here to Arizona and it's way more diverse than when I lived north of Boston for um 10 years in New Hampshire which is very um you know, it, it's just a very 
non-diverse place. I, I loved it from a, it was a beautiful place to live, but I did miss just the, the culture and the connection and just the food and, you know, all the different things that happens when, when you uh, get out of your normal realm. So yeah, it's, you know, we need to evolve. It's part of the system. I think the bureaucracy, instead of like, well, if women, you know, liked sales, there would be more of them here. You know, it's not, it doesn't work that way. And that's what someone said that to me earlier on LinkedIn. They said, well, women are in um, customer success, so they must feel more comfortable there. And I thought, why does one equal the other? Mm. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember uh, there was our national sales conference and uh, I was... um, uh, popping shots at it in terms of the diversity representation on the you know the presenters and we know this is an old story isn't it really and uh, uh, someone came back saying that yes this is something that's asked for more diversity on on the, on the stage um, but companies uh, are not that diverse so that's the reason not to do it. And you think this is a major organization right. that's representative in the organization. You should not be laggers in this. You should right. be leaders in this. You should be the ones that's representing what the sales industry should be, not reflecting the history of what it was. Right. And even if they do, um, most conferences will say, well, the sponsors can pick whoever they want. You know, they're paying the money they can put on. And I say, no, why why don't you stand up and say, we need a a diverse panel. We need, um, you know, this whole event needs to be interesting and reflect who our attendees are. I don't know where I don't get the problem in that. No, I don't. And and then it was interesting. They said, yes, our our, um, uh, uh, attendees are asking for this. (laughs) Well, there you go. And this happens, that happens with buyers too, Janice. You know, there are companies that will pass on a vendor because they didn't think that they were inclusive enough. And I've, I've heard of that multiple times. So that is a changing fact. And it's because our buyers are younger now and they are more open and they want to see this. So it's time, it's time for people to get this all figured out absolutely in fact interestingly the outreach research um uh, said that the buyers value diversity by 74 percent and 72 percent would reconsider a company that with their values didn't match their own so absolutely what what you say the research is backing that up right yeah absolutely so let's talk about Women's Sales Pro. I'm honoured to be invited to be a member of Women's Sales Pro. And honestly, it is a sisterhood. It's, it's incredible. I absolutely love it. Why do you think that there is still a need for this separate group yeah. of Women Sales Pros? Yeah, it's funny. I, I was asked that by a white male uh, CEO a few years back, he said, why, why do you need to call it women's sales pros? Why can't you just call it like awesome sales group or something? And I said, because women are underrepresented at every level in most industries, um, not all, but most. 
and particularly in tech and SaaS, which is where their company was. And until that point where half of the sellers are women and a good chunk are leaders, uh, I'm going to keep lobbying for that. So I will stop, but not until I see more change happen. And in the recent, as we're talking, we're losing women and not gaining women. So we have a lot of, of work to do to make up for that. And, and I believe that the group that you're in of the sales experts, you're all role models to the women that are coming up, whether you want to be or not. And <laughs> I always say that because a lot of us just want to be recognized for our own expertise. And we're not here to be role models necessarily. But it, it as it turns out, that's what happens because women need to see more of us on a main stage and on the on a big important podcast and at important events so that they understand that this is a, a field that women can lead in and not just be allowed to participate in you know mm -hmm. and and that's what i feel about getting more women on the main stage and and just getting us out there writing books and doing podcasts and and all those things absolutely absolutely and and it's interesting what you say you're a role model whether you want to be or or not and and i think we're all running our own business and just yeah. you know outside of that you're a role model because we're in the minority until yeah. we become not that necessarily the majority but have an equal footing you're always going to be a role model so you might as well just embrace it yeah i think so I think so. It's not a bad thing and it's not um, overly aspirational. I mean, it just, it is what it is. When, when you've accomplished something somebody else wants to do. I mean, I, I picked Tony Robbins as my mentor when I was in my early twenties, he was just starting out and he used to do those infomercials on television in the <laughs> evening. And I'm sure that that's where I, I first saw him, but he would say, and I'm sure he still does, um, that success leaves clues. So if you find people that are successful, do what they're doing, model their behavior, and it's very possible that you can get the same results. I saw something, um, Oprah Winfrey, and uh, she was asked, you know, what's the common denominator of the most successful people? And it was interesting what she said, is because they know their goal. The majority of us don't really know what we're aiming for, what our ultimate goal is, what our passion is and what our purpose is. So it means that, you know, you you will follow the crowd. You'll go in this direction. You'll waste a lot of your energy because it doesn't really have a focus. So the thing that makes you most successful is just understanding what you're here to do and yeah. step by step every decision you make is taking you a step closer towards that and that's what creates the success it isn't that they're they're rocket scientists they're more intelligent than it and i thought that was really interesting yeah really quite interesting that is it, it I, I i would agree it's about focus and and sticking staying the course even when other people try to get you to veer off right yeah. it's knowing where you're headed and doing that and you're going to bear off if you're not really committed to that goal. 
Right. I, I did a, a TEDx talk and um, in it, I talked about ha getting advice from other people. They say, oh, you know, you're not intelligent enough to do this or you're, you know, I literally was told that when I was 15. And, wow. you know, I was, um, you know, you can't do this. Even your parents, all the, you know, people are around to protect you. But if you think about it, a lot of their experience is based on their history and their experience, which yeah. isn't yours. And it's historical. And, you know, if you're trying to uh, aim for something in the future, it perhaps hasn't been that step hasn't been built yet. So how can someone give you advice to say it's the wrong direction? It's the wrong step or you can't yeah. do it or you won't do it. And so basically, you shouldn't listen to anyone's advice. You know, you can choose or refuse it or reconsider it, but yeah. make it your own. You know, it's your own life, your own steps. I think a lot of people are just small minded. You know, they just they're not big. I've always been attracted to big picture thinkers. And the person that says, no, no, that won't work. We try. I, I mean, I'll say that myself sometimes. So don't get me wrong. I haven't mastered it. However, I like the bigger picture people that'll be like, how would that work? What if we did try that? You know, it didn't work before, but maybe now is the time. And I, I just love the idea of evolution and of new things happening. So that's why I'm excited in business and in sales for the future. I'm not getting tired or worn down. I'm excited about artificial intelligence and I'm excited about, Maybe people can get coached better that way in between working with a, a human. And I can't wait to see how that might play out. And I'm really excited and looking for case case studies on that. So that's what keeps me going. It's the idea of learning and being able to grow that growth mindset. That's definitely my book, you know? Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about International Women's Day, um, yeah. embrace equality. Um, and, you know, equality recognizing that, you know, we're all different and we have different circumstances. And so it advocates that exact resources and opportunities are needed to reach an equal goal because we are all une unequal. So I don't know. How do you feel about International Women's Day, if it's something that you, uh, we should continue to pursue? And how do you feel about their current um, um, banner of embracing um, equality? Yeah, I have mixed feelings. I, I know in October we talk about Women in Sales Month and people say, well, it shouldn't be a month. It should be all the time. So should it be a day? You know, it's Black History Month right now. I mean, I part of me feels like, and it might be the older part of me, that any attention is good, and I'm going to take whatever I can to help amplify. And if it gets people to suddenly think about something or to do a different kind of a post <laughs> on LinkedIn or to make some donations, you know, that that's great. It doesn't solve issues. Um, but it does raise visibility. So from that standpoint, I think it's good. What's funny about about March is that somehow it became Women's History Month too. And I, you know, I don't know if that's because people felt guilty that there there was only one day for women, so they expanded it to a month. Um, but I also found that it it always seemed more international to me. Like ten years ago, 
International Women's Day wasn't very big in the U.S., but it was around the world. It was in the U.K., and I think that's something that I see now is that it's it's more accepted and talked about here. Uh, but yeah, a, a single day doesn't do anything. We we need it to be part of who we are and a part of business and a part of the sales profession. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Okay, I'd like to talk about, bring it back to our area of expertise and, and focus around sales and optimizing salespeople and sales operations. Yeah. Tell me more about scorecard evaluation. Yeah, so I was a reactive trainer for many years. And if you would call and say, oh, I have this company, scale your sales and you know, we need a LinkedIn session or, or, or people need to be better at closing. Can you come and teach us something? And I would do it and I'd customize materials. People would seem to like it. I'd get good feedback. But later I would say, well, Janice, so how, how much did the salespeople improve? And the people would say, well, I, I have no idea because, you know, nobody measures that kind of stuff. And the longer I did it, the less enthusiastic I was about what I was doing. And it became that I didn't, I didn't really care that it was good money uh, because people will pay well for training, but I, I didn't have the confidence, their confidence that they would even do it again with me because they didn't necessarily get the value. So I looked around and, you know, I looked for processes and tools and, ways to put something together where we can actually measure results. So now when people engage with us, we first of all will do a an evaluation to see where everybody's at. And I know you believe in this too, because you do the same thing. I won't usually work with a company unless they do that, because unless they know which of their people are coachable and which of their reps are trainable and which of the managers will actually uh, use accountability in in their coaching and actually coach their reps. Uh, I don't I don't want to do training with those companies because it's not going to work. It's not going to stick, and that's why our training in the sales training industry has a bad name because so much of it there's so much money spent and so little of it sticks. I would absolutely agree with you. Uh, you know, I wasn't I didn't necessarily do um, traditional sales training but I was always and I still am astounded by the fact that in the last 30 years only 50% of salespeople hit quota and actually I think Salesforce did some research and it's you know it's it's growing it's like only 35% now and you think well, yeah. so much waste and I talk a lot yeah. about you know, um, finding the gaps and closing the gaps. There's so much waste in the sales industry. We keep doing the same things over and over again and not measuring any success uh, to it. Seems crazy, and it didn't really sit well with me either. I thought we there's got to be a better way to do this. And although I talk about you know customers and the outcome of your customers, you've got still got to have an efficient sales force if I'm going to get them to deliver on customers' outcomes. If there's real gaps in their capabilities, then it doesn't matter what I do at the strategic level and the operational level, your right. sales force are not up to the task. So it just right. seems you have to do that first. You have yeah. to work on 
closing those gaps first. So um, I, you know, love the evaluation um, tool. The other aspect that I wanted to talk to you about the evaluation tool, and I, you know, it isn't, it, it feels to me from a recruitment point of view, and we're talking about getting more diversity into sales, that many of the recruiters go to the same place over and over again, or, you know, the manager likes somebody that looks like, like them. From a recruitment yeah. point of view, it seems to me that this is a, a great tool that you could widen the net yeah. because the tool will tell you um, who has the highest willingness to sell or who right. has natural sales DNA, who is potentially going to be more successful regardless of their background. Right. So you won't even know their gender. No. Yeah. No, exactly. you don't. It's it's a, a it helps you to bring in more diversity into the workforce. Yeah. That's the other aspect I really um love. Yeah, we've yeah we've seen that happen at companies yeah. where they suddenly had more uh, a broader range of candidates. Yeah, because you haven't got the sales manager or the recruiter thinking that they don't look like a salesperson. They don't right. look successful, and they block the way. Yeah, right. yeah, right. So what tried and tested strategy would you offer listeners to enable them to scale their sales? And I know that you've got so many. So which one strategy would you like to offer us listeners? To to accomplish what? Scale their sales. To scale their sales. Um, I think it, uh, the foundational element is mindset. I really do. And so find ways to help you know motivation doesn't last inspiration doesn't last you have to keep going back and finding new reasons why you're excited and why if you're a leader you know the team won't just propel on their own they they need excitement and enthusiasm and so do our buyers we need to get back to them our existing customers don't take them for granted so go back and and check on them for even though you're not needing to renew something or you know even when someone loses a job that's the time to reach out to them not not when they land the new the next job and you want them to be a new a customer again so it's a matter of being thoughtful and and also thinking about yourself and what you need I always did professional development, even when my company wouldn't pay for it. So as a single parent in my early 20s, I would pay for things like I went through the Dale Carnegie program so I could initially be a better speaker. That was kind of the thing to do way back when, back in the day. And Toastmasters, which is worldwide, and just things to get my brain to fire up and studying things like um, why people buy and the psychology of buying and uh, about taking risks and all those things can be learned. And so being a student of sales as, as well as really focusing on mindset, that's my foundation for success. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so talking about foundation for success, I'm going to put you on a desert island on your own. So I'd like okay. to know 
what one thing you would take with you? Well, it's kind of cheating when I give my answer because I would take my backpack <laughs> because my backpack, when I go on the road, um, it has all the things I need other than my clothes, <laughs> which are in my suitcase. So I figure I can figure out the clothes situation, but as long as I, I have my laptop, of course, I'm going to have to have Wi-Fi. <laughs> and if I can communicate with the rest of the world, I, I'm going to be okay for a couple of weeks, yeah. maybe a month or two. <laughs> All right. Well, you've you've got it. I'll allow you. To, that was a big cheat, but you did forewarn me. You can have the backpack. You know, that's right. You the can walk out backpack. naked, but you've got you've got your computer. I need my backpack. <laughs> that's <All> right. right. <laughs> Laurie, how can listeners get hold of you? Well, they should reach out on LinkedIn. Be sure if we're connecting, say that you heard the podcast and. You know, I get a lot of requests and I don't accept everything. So say that, you know, make this connection and also um, through anything at, at Scoremore Sales or at Women's Sales Pros on Twitter, on um, I'm on Instagram. I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Good to yeah. see well, thank you, Laurie. Thank you for She Sales. I've, uh, it's one of those books that you keep picking up because there's so much it's such a depth of knowledge and and based on great great research so I really uh, appreciate you putting that out there um and I appreciate you generally because you're an incredible connector and such a wonderful woman so thank you so much for being a guest on scale yourselves podcast Laurie Richards oh my pleasure thank you so much Janice it's <laughs> always a pleasure Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.